Well, it's that time of the week again. It's time for Chit Chat Across the Pond. This is episode number 723 for April 16th, 2022. And I'm your host, Allison Sheridan. While Steve and I were in Phoenix visiting Steve's sister, we made a trip out to meet the awesome Bodie Grimm, host of the Kilowatt Podcast. Bodie's show is all about electric vehicles, self-driving, solar energy, and batteries, all that great stuff. You can imagine that it would be impossible for a podcast to not break out when two podcasters meet up like this. We decided to create this as a crossover episode that we would both post. Now, I haven't listened to how Bodie introduces it yet on the Kilowatt podcast, but I'm willing to bet that he did what he did the last time we did this by telling his audience that they should not listen on his show, that they should subscribe to mine instead. Now, you'd think I would reciprocate, but I'm not like Bodie at all. I'm not that generous. Stay here. Listen to it on my channel. But then when you're done, please go subscribe to the Kilowatt podcast. All right, let's just jump in to the conversation between Bodie and me about all kinds of fun things. Hi, this is Bodie Grimm. And hi, this is Allison Sheridan. And you're listening to the Kilofeet Podcast Network. <laughs> we don't know whose show this is. No, it's definitely not mine. So I'm actually sitting in Bodie's house. We have met in real life. It's it's amazing. Yes. You can tell it's my house because there's lots of echo. <laughs> well, he offered to let us uh, record outside where it's 93 degrees, but I declined that opportunity. Yeah, we, we, missed the, we missed the bet when we should have recorded in the morning time. That would have been a little bit cooler, for sure. <laughs> it's like we're not very smart. Well, we decided we wanted to do another crossover episode since like we're together and he has a lot of microphones and equipment, so that sounded like fun, right? Yeah, <laughs> a lot of microphones and equipment with just no know-how. <laughs> Other than that. So if my audience doesn't know who Bodie Grimm is, Bodie, why don't you tell them a little bit about yourself? I am the host of the Kilowatt Podcast, where we talk about electric vehicles, uh, renewable energy, and just overall geekiness, like batteries and stuff like that. Why don't you do the same? All right. So to the Kilowatt audience, if you haven't heard me before, I am the host of the Podfeet podcast, primarily the NoSilicast, which is a technology geek podcast with an ever so slight Apple bias. Definitely geeky. Uh, I talk about whatever I want, and it, it's kind of hard to pin me down. It, the, the best SEO possible is something like the NoSilicast. Nobody can ever find it, but you can't ever accuse me of being off topic as a result. Yeah, and it's it's hard to spell. Like, I, I, is Nozilla a word? It's my it's my name spelled backwards. Oh, <laughs> so it is a word. It's just not a, a backwards word. Oh, that makes sense. And that's why it's an S. It's Nozillacast, not Nozillacast. I have to pay for the domain Nozillacast.com because people type that in instead. <laughs> yeah, actually, that that confused me for a really long time early on. All right, so we've got some fun subjects to talk about here. Uh, I wanted to start by talking about how interesting it was to drive an ICE vehicle for the first time, an internal combustion engine vehicle after, I don't know, two years probably since I've driven one. Oh, really? Yeah, it's been a long time. So uh, Steve rented a, uh, what was it, a, a Sentra, a Nissan Sentra. It's got CarPlay, so you'd think I'd like that. Um, I don't. But uh, anyway, one of the funny things before I went to drive the car by myself, Steve said, okay, remember to turn off the car and remember to lock the doors and take the keys with you. And the reason he said that is we drive Tesla vehicles and our cars, you just, you drive up and you let off the brake and, or let off the accelerator, I should say, and you just get out of the car and you don't do anything else. You don't, I don't put it in park. I don't lock the door. I do close the door, but I don't do anything else. Yeah, you know, okay, so 
I, I, I had Sierra's car. Sierra has a Tesla Model 3. I had that for a month all to myself. The two coolest things that I thought that I actually wouldn't like was the fact that you don't ever turn it on or turn it off. But the, the walking, walking away from it and just trusting that it's going to lock and you hear that, you know, 15, 20 feet away, you hear the little honk. Mm-hmm. But the second thing is right up here at the Safeway, right next to the house. That's where I drove. Oh, yeah? Actually, no, it was a different Safeway, but go ahead. Uh, there was a white uh, Model Y that parked so close to Sierra's car that I could not get it. I could barely open it. And I was like, well, I'm going to have to wait for this guy. And I did not call him a very nice name, but I'm going to have to wait. For could have been a woman. Or lady to come out and, and move remove their cars so they can get in. And I'm sitting there and I'm just kind of steaming. Fuming. And then I was like, oh, well, I could do summon. So NCR gave me access to the app, thank God. And I was able to use summon to get the, the car out. And I, I immediately called her and used a lot of expletives about how cool this was <laughs> that I was able to get myself out of this car. Yeah, so to explain to people how it works, basically on the app, you can say summon. And I've never trusted it to drive in a parking lot or something like that. But I have used it for that exact same thing. And I was so excited when somebody parked too close because I had an excuse to do it. I've done it twice. You basically, you press and hold on a button. As soon as you let go with your finger, it stops driving. But you, you press and hold on this and the car pulls out for you. Yeah. It's awesome. And it's still, it's still looking for other vehicles. So if you're not paying attention. So when I was doing it, a car came up from behind and I didn't necessarily see it because I was concentrating on what I was doing. And it, it, it just stopped on its own and then the car drove by and then it started back up. It was, it was a really cool feature, cool feature. of the Tesla. Totally worth whatever she paid for. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Um, the the thing I wanted to say that was, there were two big things that I did have trouble with. And I was glad Steve reminded me, like, there's a push button to turn on the car. So I didn't know how to do that. Um, I hit the windshield wiper four times trying to change gears. Because on, uh, on the Tesla, there's a stock that's right where the windshield wiper is on this car. And so uh, instead of reaching down to the gear shifter below to go into reverse or forward drive, <laughs> I didn't feel stupid at all. How many times did you try to put it in self-driving mode? Oh, never, because <laughs> well, I don't use self-driving mode very often, I got to admit, especially on city streets, but we've, we've talked about that before. The weird thing was uh, was to have to use the brakes, you know, because I don't oh, use yeah. the brakes on my car, like, ever, maybe a couple times a week, maybe, at the most. Seriously, you just you just feather the accelerator. No, okay, so that that's the other cool thing, is uh, uh, everybody keeps talking about one brake drive or one pedal driving and i was like that doesn't make it does it like i that doesn't sound uh, uh, appealing to me at all but the more i drove this car the more i was like oh i get one pedal driving like a friend of ours was from she was in from out of town with her kids and the little boy was like totally like enraptured with this car and so we would go for long drives and we and he's really smart he's 10 and we would talk about the one pedal driving and he's like you know, he's in the back seat, but he's like sitting up so he can kind of see what my feet are doing uh, because he was just like, and he, and, you know, he lives on a farm in Minnesota. You know, it's not like, like if you lived on a farm in Minnesota, it would be, you know, 50 years ago, it would be a totally different story, but um, they have modern, you know, comforts like bathrooms and stuff, but not much more than that. <laughs> so this was like being in a spaceship for him, right? Oh, he loved it. He, we, we took lots of rides. Um, my my grandson loves it too. He uh, but he mostly just wants me to go go really fast, Mimir. Go really fast. Let's do it. Yeah. So his his brain's turning into jelly 
now because I've done it so many times. You know, that's okay because they're young. They reform. <laughs> it's fine. So that was all I wanted to say about the uh, ice vehicle. It, it was uh, it was a strange experience. And uh, it. I don't think people who don't drive electric vehicles understand exactly how different it feels to drive an, an EV. It is it just a completely different experience. Yeah. And, and when I talked to Sierra, we're, we're going to go into a, another topic here in just a second. But when I talked to Sierra about her car and when I had to give it back to them, I was like, and in real life, I swear a lot. So I was like, how am I going to give this bleep, bleep, bleep car back to you and drive the piece of bleep that I happen to own, which is a nice car. You have a really nice car. <laughs> like it's, it's a total, like there's so many things that you don't have to think about with a Tesla in particular, not just electric cars, because you know, it, the electric car part is pretty standard across the 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 range of vehicles that you can buy. It's the features that Tesla puts in. I'm like, there's so many good features in there that you don't think about, you don't notice, much like what Apple does with their products. Like the walking away from the car thing, right? <laughs> Fantastic. So you, you had that experience of driving an ICE vehicle, but you had a first experience, which was uh, driving in a are riding in a vehicle that had no driver whatsoever. Yeah, so we're in Phoenix, and uh, Bodhi said, "You guys want to go for a ride in one of the Waymo vehicles?" And it it was a it was a really really cool experience. So the Waymo vehicle has no driver, literally no driver in the car. Well, we have a little suspicion about something about that, but the first thing was the was the app itself. Bodhi let us uh, set it up ourselves, and it was essentially like ordering an Uber. You go in, you tell it where you want to, uh, you tell it where you want to go, and it it knows where you're starting from, and the car just drives up in front of your house, or actually in Bodhi's case, always one house off. Yeah. 100% of the time, right? My next door neighbor, George, just to the, oh, there it goes, south of us, he, I would like to know if it, it picks him up one house down or if it picks him up at my house. <laughs> like, does it trade places or is everybody offset by one? Yeah. But so the, the vehicle shows up and um, it, what kind of car did you say it was? It's a Chrysler minivan. Uh, Pacific, it's a Chrysler Pacifica hybrid. Okay. So it's a great big car. It's got a uh, captain's chair. So it's got four seats, uh, sorry, six seats in it. But he was nice enough to get in the back and let Steve and I have the, the middle two seats. But when the car drove up, I noticed that it had the, it has these spinning things on the four corners of the car. And are those the radar? LiDAR. LiDAR. Okay. So it's got a LiDAR bucket on the top. There's probably radar in it, but it's got cameras, LiDAR, and uh, the LiDAR bucket, and then the LiDAR on the side. You called it a popcorn bucket. That's what it looks like. It's an upside down bucket on the top. And then uh, did it have anything else visibly on it? I'm going to look at my photo here to see what I remember what it looked like. I'm showing Bodie the photo. There's something on the back, just some big white piece. We don't know what that is. Oh, and the popcorn bucket is a, a big black dome. Actually, it looks like Darth Vader's helmet. Yeah, that's probably better. Actually, it does. It looks like the back of Darth Vader's helmet, and it's sitting up on a on a white dome too, uh, like that goes the full width of the car. Yeah, but it's got. And actually, I lied. The spinny things maybe are only on the front; they're not on the back, so they're only on two of the corners. So we're super observant, aren't we? Well, <laughs> it's we're so excited. There's to get one on in. the front. Oh yeah, yeah. There is one dead center in the front. Yeah. So, uh, so we get in the car. And uh, the display said, uh, you know, start ride. They suggest you put on your seatbelts at that point. Oh, when we first got in, it said, you'll notice there's no driver in this car or something along those lines. Yeah, it says, uh, welcome, and then your name. And uh, the cool thing about Waymo is it'll give your initials. 
So in the, in the weird attempt that you don't know that you ordered a Waymo or you don't know which Waymo to get in, it will, it, you just get to the one that's got your That's up on the, on the front of the car, on, on the windshield. So it's sort of like where you'd see an Uber or Lyft sign instead it said, it said uh, BG on the front of it. Um, oh, the other thing was you said when you order a Waymo, sometimes it comes with a driver. You called it uh, Waymo Roulette? Yes. Uh, and um, I've ordered them to show them off to friends in the past, and they have drivers, and you just have to keep canceling until you get one without a driver. And when we got the one that did say it was driverless, it had confetti on the screen. It was all very excited about the fact that we weren't going to have a driver. So we get in the car, and you know I've made a lot of complaints about the self-driving in the neighborhoods on on Tesla, and I've described it as a a drunk first-time driver, and because it's it's truly terrible. It is it, it, a perfect example. If it comes up to a T intersection, I've got a T intersection in my neighborhood where I've got to stop and the people going across do not. And it comes to the stop and it must take 12 false starts before it goes ear, 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 ear as it inches its way around the corner. And then it accelerates way too fast once it gets into the turn. And you said you've experienced that as well, right? Yes. Uh, actually, um, uh, Brad and I were in the car and he let me drive and I'd not driven the new full self-driving beta yet. And I wasn't in driving. I don't even know why I said driving. I was in the driver's seat and there's a, there's a corner at Elliott and Alma school. There's like a Bosa donuts there. And I'll never forget the Bosa donuts because this, the first time the car was like, it gave, it, it did not care what was around. The car just zoomed around like Mario Andretti when it was oh. making the right turn. And I was, it was terrifying. And I said to Brad, I was like, let's let's go back around and see if it does it again. The second time it did it, did it. Just, you know, similar busy traffic on a Sunday. The second time it did it, it was so cautious. It was just doing that thing that you said. It was like <laughs> ee, ee, ee. the first time it was like it, it was just like I'm going. Like I don't know what else. So one is really dangerous and one is really annoying. Well, they're both potentially dangerous because like people are looking at you going, What what is this guy doing? Like yeah. why why just go. Why is he driving so poorly? Yeah, you might get you might get hurt in a different way. Uh, in contrast, the Waymo was so smooth. It was cautious when I wanted it to be. It was it went really fast when it seemed appropriate. It made smooth turns. I was I was phenomenally impressed. It came up to um, in a parking lot at one point and it had bumps and it slowed down for the bumps. We were in a neighborhood with with kind of bigger the big wide bumps and it took those nice and slow. So anyway, it was it it braked at the right rate to come to a stop. Um, it, it took a couple of left turns in front of traffic, and it was it was perfect at that. It it um, you know Steve was watching that really carefully. He was doing some recording and just going, "Oh, is it going to do okay?" Because here comes uh, you know oncoming traffic. It's turning left on a green light, and it it did it exactly right. Yeah, um, and this is is the first time I've experienced it being that smooth. Like normally there's times when you're just terrified. You said it was a while since you've done it though, right? At least three months. Oh, only three months though. Yeah. Okay. It might've been December. So we might be talking four months, but it hasn't been all that long. So one of the reasons uh, Bodhi chose the local Trader Joe's, it's a mile from his house because uh, you're coming up on a, basically kind of on a boulevard and there's a left turn into the uh, parking lot of Trader Joe's, not at a light. And he said, I like this one because it will never make that left turn. And he's had it go, what is it? It, nor you, it normally goes through the light, so it's missed it. And then it does a right-hand turn and does a bunch of looping around through a neighborhood. Correct. But this time, it took three total passes before it actually found its way into the parking lot. And it took a different way than I'm used to. Well, 
And it took a different way each time it missed the turn. One time it went uh, three miles out of the way. Yeah, we were we were in the car what a good eight or nine minutes longer than we should have been. It was it's a one mile drive, and we went. All, it was a nice drive though. Yeah, it was nice and pleasant, and it dropped us off in a, a nice area. The I was telling Stephen Allison the first time that I did this, it was during COVID, and there's a senior time at the Trader Joe's, and I I planned it so that I could go to Trader Joe's. And buy, and buy my stuff because they absolutely won't let you in if you're not a senior during that time. They were oh. very strict about it oh. at that location anyway. So I was like, you know, I, I planned it so I could be there right when it opens up to, for everybody else. And there usually there was a line. So there's like a lot of people outside. It's really where I'm going with this. And I was like, okay, no worries. What I'm going to do is I'm going to go. I'll get my stuff, come back. And the car drops me off in front of directly in front of the doors where there are seniors trying to cross the crosswalk to get to their chair to their their uh, their vehicles there are people lining up outside the trader joe's and it just opens up the door and you're just or you open up the door and you're just sitting there completely exposed and uh, and being really obnoxious because you've driven up in front of everybody in the you're in the crosswalk then it was it was okay so yeah it was in the crosswalk so you know those two um posts to keep people from driving into the car into the building mm-hmm. it was like right there it was like i could uh, three steps and i was inside the trader joe's it was so close not not quite what you're looking for yeah when we drove it uh when it drove us I, I should say it did it a little bit around the corner so we were at an easy spot to pull over i also noticed when our car left it went in front of the to the store just like what you were talking about and a woman got to the edge of the crosswalk she did not step out she stopped because she saw the car coming and it just sat there and waited until she went even though she never stepped into the crosswalk it could have gone and you know a jerk would have gone but a courteous driver would have waited for her to go anyway but it definitely saw her not in the crosswalk but ready to get in the crosswalk and it said nope i'm going to wait and she didn't <laughs> She was very smart because she didn't just step out in front of it, but she was she was cautious. She was like she kind of had a couple false starts, and she's watching the car, and the car just sat there patiently. Yeah. And then you know, by the way, I've I've developed a theory. Watch old people cross streets. Watch how cautious they are. My theory is that's how they got to be old people. Yeah, you know what? That's a good theory. Put that together, huh? I think I'm onto something. It, it, you're definitely have a good hypothesis started. <laughs> we'll have to test it. Exactly. Keep your observations up. Well, so uh, after that ride, we went into Trader Joe's, got a couple of things, and we came out, we ordered another one. The second one was like a completely different driver. Still not bad, I don't think, but much more aggressive, wouldn't you say? It was closer to the thing I experienced the first couple of times that I'd driven it without the oh my god i'm gonna die feeling i i guess what i'm saying is it's it's slowly ramped down the anxiety level okay all right and today was actually fine it was like you know driving with a i wouldn't even say it was anything like a 17 year old i don't think it was that bad it was just a fast driver so it took turns quickly uh it um but it, it didn't bottom out the car or anything like that it didn't go flying over speed bumps or anything like that right no actually it didn't it did a, it it did a pretty good job. There was some hesitation and there was some, um, like changing lanes was a little more aggressive and, uh, that kind of thing. But yeah. Um, in general, what were your impressions? 
I thought that the um, that the overall experience was really, really good. I thought the uh, method of ordering the car was intuitive. It was just like you would hope with like with an Uber. You saw the car. Uh, you knew what time the car was going to come. Uh, you had a pretty good idea of when that was going to be. Um, even with the more aggressive driver, I still became comfortable very quickly in uh, in the speed and the, and the fact that I was in a car that was being driven by a, a machine in theory. And so I didn't think that it was, uh, it wasn't scary at all. I mean, it was freaky at first, but I noticed I stopped paying attention to the fact that there was nobody in the front seat. Yeah. And imagine, okay. So imagine that your first time riding in your Tesla, when you got the beta, that was more of what the Waymo was, but there was no driver. That's, that, that's how it acted. Yeah. There's nothing you can do about it. This time, um, I have to give props to Waymo because it was so much. It was so much better, like significantly better than anything I'd experienced before. So, um, but it was weird that one car was super cautious and smooth, and the other car was a little jerky but a little more aggressive. So maybe they're running different. Maybe the maybe the algorithm is you know testing different versions. Yeah. Well, I noticed that on the steering wheel it said, "Don't touch the steering wheel." The uh, the driver is is driving the it, it was the exact wording of it. It was something about the driver, and I have so here's my theory. It's not a self driving car at all. There's a bunch of people back in a control room, and they've got little steering wheels, and they're actually doing the driving. <laughs> I I think this story was on Daily Tech no, News Show. I know I didn't do it, but I heard it on some podcast. And there was a service like a delivery service, maybe a food delivery service where that's what they were doing. They didn't have autonomous cars, or maybe the oh. cars were partially autonomous, and then they had a driver, but a remote driver okay, uh, that was able to, like, in certain situations, navigate. I can't remember exactly what the story was, but it was very similar to what you're talking about. That wasn't one of those little uh, carts that delivers food, was it? No, but they have those at ASU. The last time I was visiting my little brother, he goes there, and uh, I was as I was driving home, there was, <laughs> there was a bunch of college uh, adults, not kids, but a college adults just standing there waiting to cross the crosswalk. And there's this little robot just hanging out right there. Waiting to cross with them. <laughs> I would love to see that. I think that that's genius. It's about the size of a cooler. It's not very big. Or this one wasn't very big. So it's just delivering sodas in a burrito or something? Or weed. I don't know. It's legal here in Arizona. You never know. <laughs> Whatever it could be. Well, we did notice that the um, the car that was real cautious was uh, a newer car. It was uh, painted, had a rainbow logo on it. It was, uh, you thought maybe that was an upgraded version? It's definitely newer because uh, within the last probably four to six months, I've seen those popping up. And I think there's only one, but I could be wrong. Okay. So it could have been, it could have had newer hardware even? Could have, possible. Interesting. And that was the one that was more cautious, was the, was the rainbow logo one. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I thought it was really cool. It was I love to be able to say I've actually been in a self-driving vehicle, a fully, fully autonomous vehicle. That was crazy fun. You know, it, it, and uh, I use my wife as a bellwether for these things, but it was so it was so good that I think she would feel comfortable riding in it, and she does not enjoy the self-driving in the Tesla. So, <laughs> well, I mean, who does? <laughs> yeah. I I, I got to keep testing it, but I I every time I do, I regret it. You know, because it doesn't, I don't know, it's still terrifying. You know, Brad and Sierra use it all the time. They only have one car and they use it all the time. And there are times when they'll take it out just because they, they kind of want to, like, Brad's very analytical. If you talk to that guy for three seconds, you realize how analytical he is. But so sometimes they'll just drive on their own just to kind of see, like, 
to, I guess, check in with themselves and see where they're at. Okay. But they are they are so um, militant about driving. Like if one of them is reaching up to touch something, they're like, no, no, I'll do that. You you drive. Like that's that's how bad they are. No, well, I think that that's really smart. I'm, I'm, I'm afraid I have that conversation in my car where Steve's like trying to get a podcast ready. It's like, no, I'm right here. I can do that. No, they do, they, they do a good job, but it's, it's, uh, it's definitely like they, they take the full self-driving, I guess, very seriously. Oh, okay. Oh, you're saying so if one of them's driving and it's self-driving, yeah. they would start to play with the controls or something. If, if okay. you, even if you get like, even if you look like you're staring off into space, they're like, they put the other person in check. They're like, are you paying attention to what's going on here? Like, okay. See, I, I find it so stressful to drive with full self-driving on. I would never take my eyes off the road. I mean, not in a million years. I It's much harder than when I'm driving. It's unfortunate that you don't have your car here because we have nice wide streets. Like, I don't know yeah. if you noticed like how much room we have. I think you'd feel more comfortable here than where you live, which is a little bit more cramped and, and definitely more people. More people, more cars, more everything. Yeah, you're right. You're right. The streets are very wide here. Um I got a ticket in Arizona one time because I couldn't feel how fast I should be driving because the roads are so wide and there's nothing out, you know, there's miles of nothing quite frequently. And I don't know how you tell the speed limit if it's not how fast is the car in front of you going? How do you, how do you do that? I think there's a speedometer on every that, car. So are there like signs or something? There are occasionally signs okay. in Arizona. It, it, if you drive here and you get on the I-17, at some points the I-17 is 75 miles an hour. Sometimes it's 65. Sometimes it's 55. You have to be very careful on the I-17 here if you're if you're traveling Watch that corridor. Well, oh, that was one thing about the Waymo was it was it would accelerate right up to the exact speed limit and it would hold it. And I noticed it got to 35 and it was driving at 35 and I saw the speed limit sign. And then it, all of a sudden it ramped up to 40 and I looked and it had just changed to 40. So it was going to the limit because, again, there's not cars in front of you most of the time here. Yeah. Yeah. So. No, that's a really cool feature. <laughs> and it does it smoother than Tesla. Tesla is like, oh, there's a 10 mile gap. Boom. Yeah. yeah. Now you're at 45. Well, we've even had the worst problem where it all of a sudden, like on the freeway, it'll say, oh, you wanted to go 52. <laughs> no, I did not. Because, you know, we're going 65 or 70 and, and all of a sudden it'll just slow down. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, it's a little, little twitchy. Yeah. It's, all, it's almost ready, Elon. It's, it's just, you you're, you're almost got just a little bit of tweaking. Yeah. Almost ready until, <laughs> until everybody else decides that they're going to ask for their money back because it drives like a student driver. Exactly. A, a slightly inebriated student driver. Yeah. Wait, well, hey, let's shift gears. Yes, let's do that. So we're going to talk about uh, solar energy here. Did you want to ask me questions about what we're doing here? Yes. And I do. I forgot what I'm supposed to ask you. So, okay, let's talk about your pan. Let's talk about your system at first. Let's let's talk about what you what you have on your home. Yeah. So last summer, Steve and I had 22 N phase uh, solar panels put into our house, and um, we haven't got a full year of energy usage and credits and all that kind of stuff yet. So we don't really know whether we're generating more than we're uh, consuming. We did get a negative bill one month. So we think maybe we're doing pretty good because that was in early, early spring. Um, the way the energy credits work in California is uh, 
they measure all of the energy you generate for a year and they measure all of the energy you consume during the year. And at the end of the year, if you have generated more than you consume, you don't have to pay them anything. You actually get paid back. You get paid back a pittance on, you don't get very much money. You think it's like a nickel or kilowatt hour, or is it kilowatts? I can never keep track. Um, Steve will correct me later on that. But uh, I, uh, so you do get credit if you overproduce. If you underproduce, they charge you at the retail rates. And they've got some nice complex algorithms to be sure that you can't possibly do the math yourself because they, I think, they're watching when you use the energy. So like, let's say I ran the dishwasher during the peak hours. We, if that was part of the math, they would charge us more. I don't know how they're going to do that. But anyway, um, so with that, we essentially are using the grid in California as our battery. So we're storing energy and then we take energy out and we store it and we, you know, we put energy in and we take energy out. So if it might be that I'm using energy that was created from coal but the energy I put into the grid is going to my neighbor's house, so they're getting this. They're actually using the solar energy. You don't. We don't really have a way of knowing. Okay. Can Can you go through what What's the difference between a normal panel and an Enphase? Oh, Enphase is just a brand. Oh, that's a company. Okay. A company. So we did it through a company called Solar Optimum in Southern California, and they were super responsive for quite a while, and lately they've been harder to work with. Um, but what we're looking at now, the reason we're talking to them again is because uh, we're looking into getting batteries. So now that you're looking at spending a, a, a large amount of money on batteries, are they responsive again? <laughs> no, that's the thing that's weird. They're, well, they kind of they're kind of hot and cold. We'll get a lot of information, and then you can't get anybody on the phone for a week. And it's like, come on, that's kind of weird. I mean, while we're waving dollar bills, usually you expect that response, right? You you would definitely expect some more attention and love. Yeah, exactly. So. Right now we're debating, well, first of all, we can't entirely figure out why we're buying batteries. We're not sure. Because like I said, the grid is our battery. So if we overproduce, then we don't actually need batteries. Because we're overproducing, we're never going to be charged anything except for whatever the you know monthly fee that they're going to charge us for no reason. Um, there has been a bill that's been in talks in Southern California or in California where they're going to start penalizing you for having solar panels. It's, it's a big thing. It's, it's off right now. Um, a lot of people got really, really upset and did all kinds of campaigns against it, including Arnold Schwarzenegger, by the way, did a great uh, letter in the New York Times against it. Uh, hopefully that won't happen, but they basically, they want to incentivize you to get batteries. So we, I think we got twitchy about it and thought, well, why don't we just get batteries? Now, the main reason you want to have batteries uh, in, in California is for fires, you know, for power outages, brown, rolling brownouts. And we've been lucky enough. We live in an area that, I mean, it doesn't flood. There's not fires. The weather is pretty nice. Um, but it turns out weather is changing. I'm, it's inexplicable why I think the, the, the climate is getting a little bit different lately. But uh, this week while we're in uh, Phoenix, it's actually hotter at our house than it is at Bodie's house. And we live uh, like three miles from the beach, so it should never be that hot. But it's up; at, it was up in the uh, mid nineties. I think ninety six was the the peak yesterday. So you can't really count on the fact maybe we're going to have to start having rolling brownouts. Um, but we put in air conditioning at the same time we put in the solar panels, so we wouldn't feel guilt about the uh, the air conditioning. So hopefully we have that covered. But I thought it might be a little interesting to talk about the two different brands. We're looking at M phase panels, but also uh, Tesla Power Walls. Yeah, and so when we were talking about this before, I I thought that Tesla was only selling power walls from like maybe it was 2021 on. It, only if you bought the system with it, like you mean the panels as well. The panels, yeah, the whole the whole you got to buy everything together. 
Yeah, it's been kind of coming and going. They, they, there were none available for a while, and then we just got a notice that they got a big shipment of them that they're able to sell them, and, and they're absolutely able to sell us power walls to go with our Enphase system. I think that's great. I know that Tesla has a deal with Sunrun, which is an Arizona company, and Sunrun can sell power walls, but Sunrun won't sell me power walls because I have to buy a system from them. <laughs> oh, that's kind of weird. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder. And huh. maybe Enphase won't sell me power walls, but you you can buy them because you bought a system from them. I don't know. Yeah, that might be. Now, do you have Tesla panels? We do. We have Solar City panels. Okay, which was bought they were bought by Tesla. Okay, and so do they use the cool Tesla app for it? They do. And uh I I don't necessarily like it's very visual. I don't necessarily like the Tesla app because I would rather it be more informative than visual. Oh, because it's real pretty. It shows electricity com- coming out of the uh, sky and into your out of your house, right? Yes. So is it more eye candy than useful? Well, it does have hidden inside the app. It does have what you're generating, and you can you can select it. So I can say this is what my house is using. Oh, you can see consumption and and uh, energy production both. Yeah, and this is what I'm feeding back to the grid and. That kind of thing. Okay. So this is an audio podcast. This is a very audio podcast. <laughs> I'm just showing you. Um, but the the thing that is um, frustrating to me is like I, I would I would just like it to be put in a very simple, easy okay. to understand. Like this is how much you generated today. This is how much you use. That's how it used to be before they made this big grand change. Is like you generated this much, you use this much, you took from the grid this much, or you gave to the grid this much, and that's it. Like that's all I need. I don't need. I don't need the fancy house with the the. Well, that's so funny because uh, we had uh, dinner with uh, some friends and a gentleman we hadn't met before, a gentleman named Jolly, came on or was there, and he showed us his Tesla app for his Tesla Powerwall. And I swear to you, it was the look of it that made me go, "Oh, I want Tesla Powerwalls better than Enphase because look, it looks like it'd be really cool." Yeah, that is a really I've I've seen a Tesla uh, app or the Tesla app with the power walls. It does look very cool. It does <laughs> looks really cool, and now you can do way more things. You know, obviously. Oh, okay. Then with just the panels, because you can set it. You can say I want it to be eighty percent. Basically, what you can do with your car in terms of the battery and stuff like that. Okay. You, you can say, um, well, I think it's going to be. I think we're going to have some bad weather, so I want to charge it to 100%. And the, the Tesla wall will actually, Tesla will send out a little alert if there's going to be like hurricanes or whatever and charge people's power walls to 100%. So they're prepared oh. just in case something happens. It will actually charge it to 100% even if you didn't ask it to? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, they send out a little alert. Um and they and they push a change to change it. Wow, that's interesting. I don't know if there's anything. I don't know if it alerts you that this is happening. and You can cancel it. I don't know. I'm, I would assume that they would have to do that because huh. people might get aired. Yeah, I would think so. They'd have to say something. Now, one thing that's interesting is the pricing difference between Tesla and uh, Enphase. Now, I'm going to give the prices uh, there right now. 2022. There's a 26% ITC credit from the federal government. So the prices I'm going to give you is the way they price them at, at uh, uh, Solar Optimum is the price less that 20% or 26% credit. So this is not what you actually write a check for. I think it's going to lag by a year or something. You got to write the 26% bigger check. But we're looking at getting two batteries. And by the way, I can't explain why two batteries because I can't explain why I'm getting one battery. So, But I'm sure we need two. Um, if nothing goes wrong, like if they don't go, oh, well, your house is going to need extra work because of blah, 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 which is what always happens. Two Tesla Powerwalls are $20,000. 
Now, two end-phase power walls are 18.5K. So $1,500 more, if I did the subtraction correct, it's got an eight in it. We never know. You did. So the end-phase power wall, or the end-phase batteries are $1,500 cheaper. However, 13 kilowatts for Tesla and 10 kilowatts for uh, the end-phase per per battery. So that means that uh, it's like $700 per kilowatt for Tesla and it's $900 per kilowatt for end, for end phase. So it's actually a better deal. It's a little bit more money, but it's, you're actually getting a lot more uh, stored energy for that. Right. And so for me, I would like to have uh, three because we have two air conditioners. Um, we do have power outages here, uh, but I, I'm kind of in the same boat that you are is we don't have enough to where I can justify spending 30-ish thousand dollars. Like the more power worlds you buy, the cheaper it gets because you don't have to pay so much for installation. But- and the, I think there's a, actually a a part you have to buy that you don't have to buy three times. I think right. that was part of why it was cheaper. Well, it's that, and they, they already got the people out there installing it. And right, right. So uh, for me, I, I think three would be good because I want to be, when I'm at work and my wife and kids are home and the power goes out, I don't, necessarily want to be in a fire station that's got a generator backup that's nice and cool and my wife and kids are roasting because you know there's no there's no power for them exactly one of the things we were debating is whether or not with tesla power walls and i guess any solar panel would work is what uh, what happens when the power goes out for extended periods and you went ahead and, and did some research on this you phoned a friend. <laughs> well, let's. I think people would like to hear it directly from the contract that we're going to sign. How to how to deal with your Tesla Powerwall? Okay. Should we torture them? No. You um, I, and if you understand what Allison's about to say, please email both of us and <laughs> let us know. Bodie at nine one eight digital dot com. Allison at podfeed dot com. So there's an attachment to the contract that says how to operate your Tesla battery during a power outage. So our real question was, can you use energy from the battery while you're charging it from the sun and you have no power. Okay. <laughs> this is why I had to phone a friend because I read this to Bodhi and he was just like, wait, what? I think you said this re- reads like it was written by me. Right? That, that is what I said. Yes. <laughs> okay. So they said there's three different bullets here. Number one, if you are not home during the day and the power goes off and when you come home, the sun is set, you can use the battery until the next morning but you must make sure that 20% charge remains until the next day using your battery application. Okay, that was just a poor sentence structure. Using your battery application, you should make sure that 20% charge remains until the next day. So you can only use 80%. If the battery does not have a 20% charge the next day and the grid is still off, your solar system will not turn on and will not charge your battery. Which is interesting. Yeah, interesting. But okay, it gets below 20%, it can't charge it. So I think so far so good. We're, we're following along. It's the second two bullets. If the following morning, the power is still not on, your solar system will begin to recharge the battery, assuming you kept the 20% battery charge the previous night, like we just told you to do. And the solar system will charge the battery up to 100%. But once the battery is charged 100%, you should turn off the breaker in the combiner box and match your production with assumption with consumption. So they're saying you got to turn it off and then you can start using it. I think that is, we're trying to figure out, is that now saying you could use your solar system 
while while it's actually you're using the battery and the solar system is still not charging the battery anymore, but you can use power from the battery? That's a really good question. <laughs> you know, the thing that that irritates me is we live in the 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 like the age of electronics and you have to go flip your own breaker. Like they don't have something in there that keeps you from doing that. Like, how do I know what I'm generating and not generating, especially if the power is out? Like well, yeah. What if it charges up to hundred percent while you're while you're not there? Yeah. What, what? Yeah. What if you're not there the next morning? Like you go to work, so the battery's going to charge it. Well, but no, we we had to stop it the night before. Okay. There's a third. I, I shouldn't have to. Uh, what I'm saying is, for, for twenty to thirty thousand dollars, I should not have to go flip a breaker and figure out what I'm doing. Uh, I'm doing this because I am not a smart person and not capable of doing this. I shouldn't need to know that I need to go flip a breaker if I'm generating too much or generating too too little. Like this should just happen automatically. Whenever my friend Diane and I run into something like this, we always say, what do stupid people do? And the one time she looks at me, she goes, maybe we are the stupid people. <laughs> generally, that's, generally that's my experience. Yeah. <laughs> so the third condition if you are home during the day when the power goes off and the battery is charged 100%, then you should turn off the breakers, which are located in the combiner box, and match your production with your consumption until solar production stops when the sun goes down. The next morning, you should turn on until the battery is charged 100% while ensuring you keep 20% charge for the next day if the grid is still down. Yeah. So we wrote to, uh, uh, I wrote to our friend Jolly that we met at dinner that time, and um, he told us, there it is, I asked him, I said, during a power outage, can, cause he, oh, he has a Tesla power wall and uh, power walls and he has Tesla, um, Tesla panels. He actually sold his panels to somebody else and then bought Tesla panels. Interesting. And I'm not exactly sure why that's Maybe that was when you had to have Tesla panels in order to get Tesla power walls. Um, so I said, during a power outage, can you charge your batteries from your solar panels while also using energy from the batteries to power your home? He said, absolutely. The real benefit of having a battery pack is that as soon as the outage occurs, it switches to the battery pack and it sends you a text telling you that it has done that. Then it is key that you monitor how much solar you're producing so your usage doesn't drain your battery packs because then your lights will go off. And uh, his Tesla roof just produced 88 kilowatts in a single day. He says he's hoping to hit 100 kilowatts one day soon. That, again... It, it sh- you shouldn't have to turn it off at 20%. It should just turn off at 20%, or at least to tell you, like, hey, listen, you're at 20%. What do you want to do here? Well, yeah. So that is interesting because that is a decision point, right? Maybe, uh, you know, you really need some power past 20%. Maybe you've got insulin in the refrigerator and you just have to hope for the best that it's going to come back on before you run out. Uh, I can see there could be a case where you really need that 20%. Yeah, or or maybe you have a baby or whatever. It's like the, you're just like, oh, well, I'll deal with this tonight, and then I'll go to a hotel where there's power tomorrow or whatever. Um, but it, it should it, it this should not be a manual thing. This should not be something you have to think about. Uh, you shouldn't have to. You shouldn't have to guess. Well, yeah, even like the twenty percent thing. What if I mean, you would think it would also like. What do you do when it hits twenty percent? Panic. But I mean, do you shut all your breakers off to make sure you don't use it to 19? You probably want to practice this or something and, you know, run, run through some scenarios because like you say, in the middle of a hurricane, you're you're worried about toilet paper. You really need to be able to practice it and know what you're going to do. You know, part of your emergency preparedness is run through the scenario. Okay, I'm pretending to throw the breaker now, honey. <laughs> yeah. No, it's just like a, a fire alarms. 
Right, right. Well, uh, I guess maybe this is a stay tuned to find out what we do. What do they do next? We should talk again when you guys finally decide. Exactly. We would definitely do it. And I'm sure we'll, we'll have all kinds of justifications for why we did it. Well, I think this was fun. Yeah, thank you for coming all the way to Arizona and hanging out and dealing with technical issues that <laughs> seemingly just randomly happen. Buzzy is back. Uh, well, I've talked to my audience about how much I really detested my Universal Audio uh, Thunderbolt, uh, uh, what do you call it? interface. And that's what Bodhi's using right now. And it seems to just have a mind of its own. Yeah. Anybody that's listened to my podcast has also heard me, heard me complain about it. Although it's been really good lately. And today it just was like, uh, <laughs> I think uh, they knew Allison and Steve were going to be here. And, like, and I spoke poorly of it. That's probably what it was. Well, if you want to find out more about uh, what Bodhi knows about uh, electric cars and uh, solar energy and renewable energy, he, you can find him at 918digital.com. Huh. And then if you want to go and you want to hang out with Allison, everything good starts with podfeet.com. That's right. And uh, yeah, thank you everybody for listening. Thank you, Allison and Steve, who's sitting about 12 feet away, socially distancing, <laughs> uh, for coming and hanging out. And we're going to have some enchiladas. And Oh, yeah. Sounds good. All right. Thank you everybody for listening. Again, another awkward uh, outro. outro for me. <laughs> Okay, I had to keep that outro there. I could have cut it off where it would have sounded really professional, but I think that really gives you the flavor for who Bodie is and why you got to listen to his show because he's just so funny. And uh, you even got a little tiny appearance by Steve at the very end there where he didn't re- realize we were still recording, and I decided to keep that in there as well since Bodie did. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Chit Chat Across the Pond. Did you notice there weren't any ads in the show? That's because this show is not ad supported. It's supported by you. If you learned something, or maybe you were just entertained, consider contributing to the Podfeet podcast. You can do that by going over to podfeet.com and look for the big red button that says support the show. When you click that button, you're going to find different ways to contribute. If you like to do a one-time donation, you can click the PayPal button. If you want to make a recurring contribution, click the weekly Patreon button. Or another way to contribute is to record a listener contribution. It's a great way to help the NoSilla Castaways learn from you. If you want to contact me for any reason, you can email me at allison at podfeet.com and you can follow me on Twitter at podfeet. Maybe you want to talk to other NoSilla Castaways. You can do that in our Slack group at podfeet.com slash Slack. Thanks for listening and stay subscribed.